0: Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Crochet Circle podcast. This one is called Summer Shenanigans and I alluded to it in the previous episode which I recorded this morning. And today is not your standard episode so it's a little different. We had a really busy June and I wanted to share a bit more detail about um, what we've been up to and um, how it was. And then we've got a really busy July as well so I'll let you know what... um, All the different wooly adventures that I'm due to have in July and I'll probably do the same and record a kind of separate July summer shenanigans part two for you. Mm, Let me start. I found a new tea. It's probably been out for ages and I'm just late to the party but it's by Twinings and it is turmeric, orange and star anise. Really good for your digestive system. Um, and it's the most gorgeous turmeric-y colour and it's just really quite tasty if you like turmeric and star anise and orange I would say the dominant flavour is turmeric so it won't be everyone's cup of tea but if you like your kind of non-caffeine teas then this one's really quite nice right what have I got to tell you about three peaks challenge (laughs) this was like a mammoth task to get all three of us up to do the Three Peaks Challenge so the deal was that um, Matthew, my husband and our nephew Lewis were climbing all three mountains and you basically um, start whatever way you want to do it, we did Ben Nevis up in Scotland then Scarfell Pike in England and then Snowdon in Wales and It takes kind of five and a half hours just to get up to Nevis, and then at the end of that, the guys had to go and climb a mountain. So I'd strategically planned it all. We did it that weekend because it was just before the summer solstice, so they had effectively the most amount of daylight that they were going to have to be able to undertake the challenge, and it was really busy. Lots of the people that I talked to were there doing Three Peaks challenges, or They were doing what I was doing, which was being the kind of support vehicle, support officer for people that were going and doing the challenge. We had groups of people that were trying to do it inside of 24 hours, which is just crazy. Matthew and Lewis managed it in 32. It would have been quicker, but we had issues on Scaffold Pike. Um, But yeah, it was quite an undertaking. Um, Matthew did the first hour and a half of driving, got us up to TB in Cumbria. And then I did all the rest of driving for the rest of that weekend. So it was really quite a feat. Um, we, ma- we left here just after seven on Saturday morning. And they were setting off to start Nevis at half two. Which was the time that I had designated to get them on that mountain. Um, and by the time they'd come off of there... Um, they were absolutely fine, no issues, still really quite fresh and it helped that you've then got a massive drive down to Snowdon. But we did go via the chip shop because there's nothing quite like a Scottish chippy tea. In Scotland you don't ask for something and chips, you would ask for a fish supper. And the word supper means and chips, it means you're making a meal out of it. So uh, one of the other things that is very particular to uh, chippies in Scotland, and I've never seen it down here and I do not understand why not, is rather than like, the skanky minging pork sausages that you get in chip shops down here, they do the Matheson's smoked sausage and that is what you can get. So you can have a smoked sausage supper. I know it's not full of nice things, but when you need... Dirty food, because it's it's just what you need. Then you cannot beat a Scottish chip shop because they just know how to do lard well. And these chips, chippy was amazing, and I'm not saying it because we were all knackered and done in and we needed comfort food, but actually it was just a really good um, chip shop. So yeah, we had a wee dirty chippy on the on the way back down off of the mountain, which was very good. One of the things was that I had um, loads of time at the bottom of every mountain. So I managed to do a load of work on my, um, what I'm calling my three peaks Dobra shawl, but also managed to have a little walk around and talk with people and just see what was going on. Now at every location I discovered that I am the sheep whisperer, so when I was at the bottom of nevis i was going out and looking for the guys because if i could track them coming down the mountain then i could brew the kettle on our little um, camping stove and meant that when they got off the mountain they could have a hot drink it was raining and horrible and gray on all three mountains so being able to have a hot drink when you get off them is really quite lovely so bottom of um, nevis i'm trying to track them coming down the mountain And there's a little black-faced, Scottish black-faced lamb following me around. He was absolutely beautiful. Not shy at all. He was really close to me and he just kept on, like, posing for the camera at every shot. He was like, oh, what about this side? What about here? What about this side? Yes, I'm cute. He was just absolutely adorable. I've probably got about 20 photos of him, but I'll add some into the show notes and um, I'll pop some up on the screen now. He's very cute. So Nevis I got um, Scottish black faces and then I got kind of sheep of the region at the other two mountains as well, which is great. Um, So we whapped on from Nevis, stopped just outside Fort William, just mainly because the view was so incredible. It was really late on at night by then. It was probably about 10, half 10. And um, just the... The view across from Fort William, looking up, was just absolutely gorgeous. At that time of year in Scotland, you just can't beat the light because there's so much more light. And when it's reflecting off the water and you've got that dark dull cloud cover as well, and that's reflecting. It's just, it's absolutely magical. Um, you know, you get places like it in the, across the world. But for Matthew and I, because, well, because we're Scottish, it just um it, it just strikes something it's it's more it just seems like home it seems it's just lovely it's very nice to see so then after that we did um I drove us down to Scuffle Pike um basically drove all the way through the night which was interesting because I didn't manage to get any sleep at the bottom of Nevis I got about 20 minutes I think so I didn't get any real sleep. Um drove us through the night to Pike, and I think we arrived at um, the car park that they were going from at about quarter to five, half four, quarter to five in the morning. Um, That was at Wasdale. Luckily there's a pub there. It it has to be one of the most remote pubs in the UK. It's incredible Um, and it is literally at the end, up and over the moors, and at the end of a track and then it is just hemmed in with mountains it's such a beautiful location though and they had just the best leek and potato soup just when i needed it um which i'll come to and um, so i managed to actually sleep in the back of the car lewis bless him, had brought his pillow and his duvet with him so that he could sleep really comfortably in between mountains so i crawled into the back of the car and managed to get about three and a half hours sleep at that point that was good Um, And the guys were up the mountain. They were due to come back off um, by about half nine, ten o'clock. And they didn't arrive. And they didn't arrive. And they didn't arrive. And I was starting to get really quite concerned. Um, I went into the hotel, the pub hotel, um, when they were, I think, two hours late coming off. And I spoke to the people, they were brilliant behind the reception. Um, and I said, look, when, at what point do you start to get worried? And at what point do you start to think about calling Mountain Rescue? Because my concern levels are going up. I wasn't panicking, because I don't panic. And Matthew is very adept at hill walking and mountain climbing. He's done a lot of it and he, kn- he knows where he is and what he's up to. But when you're up mountains like that... And it's so grey and misty. You can literally look down at the map, look back up and completely lose where you are unless you've got like a GPS tracking unit. And, And the lady at the hotel said, well, how long have they been missing for? And I was like, two hours. They were meant to be down two hours ago. And she was like, yes, it's time to start thinking about what your next options are. And I was like, damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Now luckily Lewis had gone up wearing a white waterproof jacket and (laughs) because this is me, I am Little Miss Organisation, I took photos of them before they went up all of the mountains. They thought I was just taking photos of them to go, oh look at you and your challenge, yeah, you're doing well. Actually, what I was doing was taking photos so that I could remember what they were wearing. Um, what jackets and stuff they had on, what colours they were wearing, so if anything went wrong, basically I would be able to track them, pass it on to Mountain Rescue and say, look, this was the photo of them just before they left. So I knew what Lewis was wearing, and there's a camping shop, hiking shop, next door to the pub, and I went in and saw her lovely lady there, and I was like, okay, <laughs> here's the situation. I'm starting to get really concerned about them. don't suppose you can have some binoculars I could borrow please I'd forgotten to pack ours this really lovely lady lent me her binoculars and I just stood watching the mountain watching the path that they were meant to be coming back down and I thought I'd seen them and it wasn't them and the lady came out and was like have you you seen them? starting to get concerned on my behalf I said no I'll give it five more minutes and then I'm going to have to call Mountain Rescue because they've got turned around and they could therefore be anywhere down any of the other other valley sides of Scaffold Pike. And she said it happens all the time. It's notoriously bad in and around from that Wasdale head point. People are always getting lost. And when I'd been in the pub having lunch trying to keep myself calm, I'd managed to get onto the internet and was trying to get the mountain rescue information from there. Because I didn't want to just dial 999 and clog up that system. I wanted to actually make sure I was using the right... Um, number and going through the right route and it says on there all over the place this bit is notoriously bad we have so many rescues out of this area it's um people are always getting turned around and i was like okay I, i feel a bit less concerned about it because you know lots of people get stuck up here but equally lots of people get stuck and that's why mountain rescue are always being called out to that area So I've stood last five minutes thinking I'm I'm going to have to call. And then I see a brown jacket and a white jacket slowly, probably about two miles up the mountain, slowly winding their way down. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's that's definitely them. And I just keep the binoculars trained on them and watch them coming back. Now, by the time they get back down, we're kind of two, two and a half hours later than I wanted us to be. And I had built in a little bit of leeway for us to stop and have a really good, hearty lunch somewhere and make sure that there was enough time and they'd recuperated before we travelled to Wales and went up Snowdon. So I finally face to face with them and I was like, well done on your Two Peaks Challenge thinking there is no way we can make it to Wales in time and there is no way that you can go up that mountain um, in the semi-dark, just not happening. And Matthew and Lewis were quite persuasive and basically said we've taken money for charity and I think we need to give it a go. <laughs> and we had not quite a fracas, but I was like I-, I think you're forgetting that this is a mountain that you're going on to and it's dangerous and actually you don't take these things lightly charity or not you can always give the money back or see if people are still happy for you to um, like put that money into the charity because people aren't going to do you in for the fact that you got turned about on Scaffold Pike and you were late coming down. That, that was like pretty much a flat no coming off the pied of them. So the bargain I struck with them was... If I could get them down to Snowdon for six o'clock, six in the evening... Um, if I could get them to Snowdon for six and they were on that mountain for half past six, then fine but if they weren't on that mountain for half six that was it, the whole thing was called off and they had to abide by my rules the voice of reason and they were like, fine, drive like the window so that's what I did and I got them down to Snowden for dot on six o'clock and they were on that mountain for dot on 6.30 and off they went and it was really misty and the um, the winds were really cyclonic so it's it feels like it's the same mist bank and suddenly it comes in from here and then it disappears and you know it's here and then it will come in from the other side. It's just, it's a very eerie place when you're sat in a car on your own and the car park gets emptier and emptier and emptier because no fool is going up a mountain at six o'clock at night apart from, you know, my fools. And uh, they made it up. And they made it back down, ju- like only just. Uh, it was dark when they came back down the road. Um, what I'll do is at the very end, I'll add some footage that Matthew um, took. I had like two things you know about me. One, I am operationally led. So everything is about how how can I do something to make it the most process efficient? How can I make sure that everything is as it should be? The other is, I am a total feeder. I like to make sure that people have got nice food, they've got the things that they want, that everything is just the way they want it to be. So when they came off the last mountain, I had their favourite beers, ready for them, for them to have in the car. So Matthew took a little video of him and his first sip of beer and and Lewis. Within that video, you can see just how dark it was outside and that was... I think 10 minutes after they'd come off the mountain. So they were pushing it. I don't mind saying, like, I was concerned the whole time that they were walking on Snowden because I just um, could see issues happening. And then what do you do? Again, do you then call mountain rescue? So that was not fun. The upside was, though, on both Pike and on Snowden once again, Sheep Whisperer, managed to make sheep come to her. Um, on Scaffold Pike, I had some Herdwicks. Oh, they're just so bonny. They are the bonniest sheep you've ever seen. They've, they come in all sorts of different colors, really like muted, totally my colors. And they always have these beautiful white faces and little stubby white, very kind of almost triangular, totty little legs. They're so ridiculously cute. I'll add photos into the notes and into here. Absolutely gorgeous. And then on Snowdon, I had um, Welsh mountains come and say hello again. I was sat in the car and I was like, oh, come on sheep. I could see these little white fluff balls coming. And I was like, come, come to me and my camera. And so they did. They're just such lovely looking sheep as well. I was quite pleased. Each mountain had its own sheep breed. And they all came to say hello. I am the sheep whisperer. Um, yeah. So they finally got off Snowdon. and again because I am Mad Ashbar, this is why my um, ravel name is Mad Ashbar. Is because I look out for people. Um, when we'd been sorting out all the food and stuff, doing all the prep in the in the weeks in advance of getting them on the mountains, um, one of the things that I'd suggested was food was that I'd taken them up some. Um, homemade ragu um, I make my own ragu it's absolutely lush I learned it in a during a cooking holiday in Italy so it's like it's Paa ragu and then I just I preserve it in jars which means whenever we go on holiday or we need to go and visit somebody or we, we know that somebody needs like quick meals I always take a bag of pasta and a jar of homemade ragu. Like I'm not joking, we were the most middle class um people out on that mountain. So they came off and I had a little gas stove going and they had homemade ragu and pasta on the way down. And I said to Lewis, Oh, do you want there's cheese there if you want it? Um and he will he'd said, Oh, is it this cheese? which was the grated organic cheddar that I had done him for his three bean wraps on Ben Nevis. I was like, no, no, dear. It's the Parmigiano in the other pot. (laughs) Like, who are we? We're at the bottom of Snowden. They've just done the Three Peaks Challenge. Matthew has a brew dog beer. Lewis has a Budweiser. I have a cup of tea and they have homemade pasta ragu with Parmigiano on top. Do you know what, though? If you're going to do it, Do it in style. It was absolutely lush. It was the nicest pasta and ragu I've ever had. Because, you know, I was eating my meals with them. Rather than eating all the way through. But, yeah. It was so tasty at like, I don't know, half ten, eleven o'clock at night. Half ten maybe. And then I drove us home. um, And we got back at one in the morning. So all in all, it was, I think, 32 hours for them from the base of Nevis going up to them coming off Snowden, it was just under 32 hours. And total door-to-door time, so leaving our house in Cheshire in England, going to Nevis, doing Nevis, going to Scaffold Pike, doing that in England, going to Wales, doing that in Snowden, and then coming home was 42 hours. Uh. I don't want to do it ever again. Like, it was good fun, I enjoyed all the planning, but nah, that challenge is done. There are lots of people that try to do it in 24 hours, as I said, just the mountain part of it. And there are lots of people that try to do it without a support vehicle. And somebody who doesn't do the climb, but is just doing the driving, doing the food, sorting out the clothes, drawing off the wet clothes, sorting out the dry clothes, and getting everything in order... Um, And I just don't see how you can do it without the support team. I just don't think it's safe and I don't think it's feasible. So yeah, glad that we've done it. If you fancy sponsoring it, and by no means um, am I saying that you should or you have to, but if you fancy sponsoring the challenge, the Just Giving page is still up. I will pop it in the show notes and in the drop box and I'll um, put the information for you to see um, I think at the end of Matthew's video it shows that £485 had been raised. And I know that more money has come in f- since that point. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a really good thing. And we've been raising money for our local um, cancer hospice, the Doggy Mac. So, yeah, it's been a good cause as well. So, that was... Three peaks and me being the sock whisper, the sock whisperer. I've just read socks, that's why I said that. Three peaks and me being the, I nearly said tea whisperer, <laughs> the sheep whisperer, which I'm going to test out because I'm off to see more sheep this weekend and uh, see if I can whisper to them and make them come to my camera as well. We don't, we do not do things by half in our household. We are. Full pelt, then we knackered ourselves out, and then we have like a month off, and then we go at it again full pelt. Um, and at the moment, we're in two months of something happening almost every night, almost every weekend. So we expect to collapse second week of August, I would have thought. But the weekend after that, I went to Bullfest. Woolfest is a really nice sheepy festival which happens over in Cockermouth in Cumbria, which is in the northwest of England. Um, Matthew came up with me and drove because after Woolfest on the Friday, we were then heading up to Fife in Scotland to go and celebrate his dad's 70th with lots of um, family. Um, so Matthew sat in Starbucks in Cockermouth all day long, working away whilst I was like. Sniffing roll, um, and I showed you in episode thirty one what it was that I got, and um, so you've seen that all the blacker goodness that I got, um, but yeah, I also managed to meet up with Catherine um, from Crofton and Treats and Zoe from Twenty Four Carat, and um, and also Claire who is YouTube's Bob Wilson. And yeah, it was really nice to see them and spend a about time with them. I know Catherine reasonably well, um, but I'd never met Claire. She's on holiday. I think she's just heading back now. She'd had six weeks over in Europe. She's in Australia. So she'd been having the most wonderful time with her dad and just going here, there and everywhere and eating all the British food and just thoroughly enjoying herself and having a good old time of it. Um, and Zoe I'd never met before so it was lovely to meet her and meet a fellow crochet podcaster which was great. I will put links to all of their um, podcasts in the show notes and also in the dropbox here. The show notes for this podcast are literally going to be links and photos and that's it. No chat because it's just meant to be a bit of light hearted something not something that I pour three days into. Um, so yeah, that was really nice to um, see them and sit and have lunch together and just chat and have a bit of fun. It's a really, uh, it's really quite a relaxed wool festival. But one of the things I love about it is that they actually have activities in the two rings. So they have the main ring and the small ring. And in the main ring, every year they have um a gentleman, his name's Peter and I can't remember his last name. He used to be the chairman of the Rare Breed Survival Trust and they always have lots and lots of um, sheep breeds on show, so live stock, and the breeders bring them into the ring and then he talks through the different characteristics of the breed and talks through through the um, fleece and what it's good for and it's just really interesting and entertaining and um, part of the, the Woolfest experience. So it's it is a very sheepy setup there and I love it for that, I really do. Um, lots of my old favourites were there, so T Marbin, um Lynn Roberts who's my lovely friend who does the silver um, hooks. Who else did you see? Um Emily Folds which is Lely, and also Emma Knitted who um, you've heard me talk about before, they've gone into a venture called Jaunty Yarns, which I'll add some photos of, which is yarn dyeing and patterns. Um I really loved like they had a sock kit and it was really nicely um laid out in like a you know like a smoothie takeout tub. So you got the yarn and the pattern everything all in the kit really nicely done. Um, and that's a brand new venture for them. So it was nice to go and see what it is that they are up to. I also saw Tanya, TJ Frog, just lots, lots and lots of people. Um, and it was the first time that I've really been able to spend time on the Blacker stand. Uh, and it's a company that I'm starting to get to know a little bit more. I've worked with quite a lot of their stuff in the past. But um, usually it's, qu- it's, it's just quite busy at wool festivals to try and get in and see everything. And I've always previously made beelines for other places. But um, yeah, it was really nice to be able to squish some of their um, wool and yarns. Um, what else did I do? I had to leave quite early because we were heading up to Scotland. So we were trying to time it so that we didn't get caught in any of the traffic on the M6 and equally we weren't too early that we were going to, to catch the traffic on the M8 in Scotland and we just had like a dream run through it was really good um, and sneaky we had another chippy tea on the way up because it was, my Scottish chippy tea was so good when we came off Nevis, and we thought we would chance our arm again and we just didn't fancy any of the service stations that we saw And it was really horrible chippy tea, so um, yeah, it was a shame. I did get a smoked sausage though, but the chips weren't all that. So that's it, that's it. I won't now have a chippy tea for about another three years or so, but it was so good. That first one was just lush. Um, So yeah, we made our way up to Fife and spent the night with Matthew's dad. And then the next day we were having like a 70th birthday party for him. So all the family were coming over to um, his dad's place and everybody was bringing food. So we had cheesecake and I made um, like spiced chickpea burgers and halloumi burgers and um, there were brownies. It was just everything. It was really good, lovely mix of stuff. And uh, yeah, it was just nice to spend some time with Matthew's side of the family. And uh, yeah, it was ju- it was just good, but on the Saturday morning, before everybody arrived, Matthew's sister B and her mum Alex had um, come to the house early, which was perfect because I was skipping off over to Weem to check out a local yarn shop. It's called the Woolly Brew, and I've been trying to get there for about eighteen months, and it's just it's a horrendous thing to see oh yes, we've come to see you and then not and just skip off to a yarn shop for a couple of hours. Um, But because Matthew and his dad were going off to St Andrew's to walk the dog and go and buy cheese, that allowed me to go to the yarn shop and B and Alex came with me. Really lovely yarn shop. Lots of little unusual bits. I talked about what I bought from there in episode 31, but it was just great to find some little local gems I wouldn't have otherwise and um, found she had a nice selection of patterns and books um nice selection of yarns, lots of little notions and it was just a really nice open welcoming shop. It was one room and um table for doing little workshops and bits and pieces, and yeah, just really welcoming, nicely decorated, lovely bright wallpaper on the back of it, and Pitt and Weam is a beautiful town. It's right on the seaside and, um, yeah, like, it's a lovely location to go to. And it was busy. That was a busy yarn shop. and um, The lady is called Fiona and I think she's been open now for seven years, which is a good sign for a local yarn shop. Staying open for seven years and not trading online is quite a feat and um, I can see why it's busy. It's a lovely wee place. And I will happily go back there again next time I'm up if I can sneak away. Matthew can go dog walking again and I'll just head to go and see Fiona at the Woody Brew. She's online um, if you want to take a look at what she's got in stock. But even if you're up and you live in and around Edinburgh, it's not a massive deal to then get up and over to Fife. So if you're day tripping and you're going to that kind of southern part of the Fife coastline, Definitely go and have a wee pop into um, the Woolly Brew at Pit and Weem. It's lovely. There are some really beautiful um, coastal walks in and around that area as well. And some lovely coastal paths. Uh, yeah. Which I used to have to do for college. That was where I did my first year in and around that area. Right, so that was Woolfest and Pit and Weem. And one of the other things I wanted to share with you is in another in the nether, is another is design in progress that I've got going. Which I didn't show in the main episode because they're knitted socks and um, it's just something that I'm trying out but they'll be finished for the next podcast and hopefully the pattern will be up and running. But I have been using lovely little minis um, from Becky Marcus at River Knits This is, I think, the eighth pair of these songs that I've made um, because I've been playing around with how I get the yarns to join because they're all minis Every stripe is a different add-on and I've come up with this really clever technique um, I'm not saying that I'm the first person to have come up with it but I didn't get it from anybody else it's a technique that I have sat and worked on and worked on and worked on. And got Matthew to test in his walking socks as well. Um, and it works really nicely. But what I've been trying to do is work out that if you got a set of five colours and a contrast. Then you can get one larger pair out of it. And then if you have another mini for your other contrast. Then how big a second pair you can get out of it. So I have got just the sole and the toe to do on this one. And I've been photographing this for my tutorials as I do it. And then I need to knit the second one and do that as my video tutorials. And then I will have a pattern ready to go out to Alice and others for test knitting. But this has been a particularly long uh, pattern to try and create. I really thought it would have been done by now, but uh, c'est it's not like I'm not busy, um. So yeah, this one becoming. I just love the colors, absolutely love them. And the pairs that I've done for Matthew, I've been shoving them through the washing machine. They've always been line dried or hand dried, um, and I've never put them through the tumble dryer because I try not to tumble dry stuff, but they've been going through the machine absolutely fine. Um. Uh, yeah, really nice socks, and I'm loving the stripes on them, because Becky and Marcus have got so many colors in their minis um it's so easy to just find colors that work really well within your preferred color palette um yeah love them really love them but equally kind of sick of knitting stripy socks now i'm i'm done with that so that has been Yeah, that has been my June, although let me show you one other thing. When we got back from all of the stuff that we'd been doing, because, I don't think I told you, when we were on Ben Nevis and I'd watched the boys coming down the mountain, I'd set up um, a little camp on some of the picnic tables to make them a hot drink. And I was fairly covered up and I used tea tree on my pulse points to keep the insects away. And you'll have heard of the Scottish midge, and it is the most horrendous wee beastie you can ever come across. It's about two millimetres in length and it will bite your face off. And I am particularly um, sensitive to insect bites. So once I'm bitten inside of 24 hours I will just be inflamed. And I'll add a photo to the, the show notes because I have no shame about this, and I'll pop a photo up here, but my face was just, I must have had easily over a 100, probably more like 200 midgi bites all over my face. One of them had literally done this, little midgi, had done an oval dance around my forehead. I had a perfect oval of midgi bites all the way across my forehead, and then that flamed up. Then I saw my friend Jane in the Waitrose car park on the Tuesday I must have looked like I'd been beaten up because my face was swollen out it was just full of little red marks where I'd been bitten I looked awful eventually they went down now if I get bitten by anything you can guarantee that I am just going to swell up and really react badly to it so about a week after we had come back down there was a parcel from Matthew's dad because I'd been discussing this and what he had sent us, one each, was a midge repellent. And it is basically like a big human net that you put on. And the midges, the mesh is fine enough that the midges can't get through. But I can't drink tea through this. And because it's plastic, it's really hot and itchy and horrible. Ugh. But if it was in that situation again, I would 100% wear this because I was just bitten all the way down my arms everywhere. I was just absolutely full of bites. I love that Matthew's dad bought us midgy, human midgy nets for us to wear them. So yeah, next time I'm in Scotland and I'm stupidly out and about at dusk with a camping stove encouraging them all to bite me, I will have my human midgy net on instead. So, coming up next month, because, you know, all the yarny things are happening, on Saturday, this Saturday, I am going to a tiny little wool festival thing. It's got, like, a handful of um, stallholders, and it's at Blaze Farm, which is up at Macclesfield, which is, you know, Cheshire is as flat as a flat thing, but there is one little hilly bit, which is in and around the Macclesfield area. So that's where Blaze Farm is. So I'm heading over there to go and see what they've got going on. Um, I think it's an open farm and then this is just one of their events. My friend Ross went last year and she really enjoyed it. I think it took her an hour to get round it and it's a pound to get in. So um, I'm going to go and do that. Hopefully Ross will be joining me as well. And then on Sunday I'm heading over to Betty Secoid to go and see my friend Deb from Find Me Knitting. She's my tech editor. And she's opening her yarn shop. It opens on Friday. Um, and I'm heading over there on Sunday to go and give her hugs and encouragement. And just wham positivity at her. Um, I'm so chuffed that she's managed to get a bricks and water shop. I'm really pleased for her. And then the weekend after that, it is Yarningham in Birmingham. And I'm heading there on the Sunday. So if anybody else is coming... I'll be there, I think, from opening, which is at 11. So um, come and say hello. Let me know if you're coming. And maybe we can meet up for a coffee and a slice of cake. Um, So, yeah, that's Yarningham in Birmingham on the Sunday. The weekend, I think, after that, or the weekend after that, we are heading down to the south coast to go and see Jenny and Fraser and the boys. And then I realise that's also the weekend of Fibre East. So I think I might be doing a detour of the M25 and we'll go up the M1 rather than the M6. Which means on the Sunday I might be able to detour into Fibre East for a couple of hours. Maybe. It might be at the end of the day because we don't want to just rush off. So again, if you're at Fibre East there's every chance I will be there on the Sunday afternoon but late afternoon. Come and say hello. Come and meet me for a coffee if that's um, what you're up to. Um, but yeah, I'll be there for a little bit I would have thought and then the weekend after that my cruise alive uh, Matthew and I are heading over to Northern Ireland I am vending there again over at um, the Folk Festival in Whitehead on Saturday the 4th of August and we're using it as like our holiday for the year so we're over there for a couple of days and I I finally get to go to Giant's Causeway and we're going to do the rope bridge bit. And what I'm going to try and do is do some of the modelling of like basalt shawl. Can you imagine basalt actually on the basalt rocks at the Giants Causeway? That needs to happen. Um, so, yeah, I've been doing all of that and showing you Northern Ireland and the Antrim coastline and showing you what's been going on there. Um, so, yeah, busy, busy summer. And then, like I say, in August, I will just collapse once we get back from Yarnfolk. I will just, there'll just be a puddle of fae and that will be that. (laughs) Right, I think I have chatted enough today because two podcasts in one day and the software for converting it isn't working. So hopefully Matthew's inside trying to sort the Mac out. Um, Before I came out to record this, I had three computers over trying to make it all work and it just was a nightmare. Um, And the other, actually, one final thing that I wanted to say is that the wildlife in our garden is just crazy at the moment. It's amazing. We have lots of insects and with loads of insects that breeds loads of other um, animals coming in. um, Birds, all sorts. And when I'd finished recording um, podcast 31 I just came outside and there was the biggest dragonfly I've ever seen in my life. I watched him for a good five minutes and he was just flying around our garden, just circling. Was absolutely beautiful to watch him because they've got double wings. It is a bit like watching a biplane doing acrobatics. He was incredibly agile, just beautiful. So I'll add some shots of him. Um, I went out with my camera just for five minutes. And I'll show you some of just some of the little bits of wildlife that we had um, in our garden just in five minutes. Including the greediest blackbirds you've ever seen in your life. We have a cherry tree and we never pick the fruit. We've got lots of fruit throughout the garden and we tend to not pick it. It's all there for the wildlife to peck away at during the summer months. And our cherry tree can be decimated inside of one day. And this blackbird, you'll see him, he's like... The black one in the center of the photo, and he can barely fit this cherry in his mouth. Like his beak is fully stretched, um, to come and get it, take it, and then peck at it on our drive. No cherries left. Didn't get one of them. Um, we're not allowed them. It's all for the birds. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get a shot of the dragonfly, unfortunately. Um, he was just too quick, and by the time I went inside, came back out with the camera, he'd he'd gone. It was beautiful. Right, I'm off to video edit two podcasts. I'll be in a hot box for hours on end, getting that ready. Right, my lovelies. Like I say, nothing like the standard format. It's more just a bit of what's been going on in my uh, crazy, crazy world. So, until next month. See you soon.